0: Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Art Lives. My name is Elizabeth Thillamater. On this podcast, I talk with artists one-on-one about their art, their lives, and how they navigate the world. This episode features Nicholas Myers, a conductor, percussionist, and composer. Nick composed the music that you just heard, and he has graciously allowed me to use that composition, Slightly Funky as the Art Lives theme music since the podcast first aired in 2018. Nick also composed the marimba music that I use as transition music on each episode. We spoke last summer at the International Music Camp, which is located in the International Peace Gardens on the border of the U.S. and Canada. I started our conversation by asking, how does someone become a music composer, conductor, and a performer? Here is Nicholas Myers.
1: all right, I have three music degrees, right? Like you yeah. do. And they're all in percussion performance. Yeah. Yet I taught high school for seven years mm-hmm. along with teaching adjunct percussion uh, for seven years before I went back from my doctoral degree. And people go, well, how you did that? How did you, how, excuse me, how were you able to do that? And I said, it's a long story. Right? It's a long story, but I love teaching high school band. So I was an assistant band director. I got to conduct. Uh, Throughout all three of my degrees, I took conducting lessons, and I got to conduct the bands. So I had lots of different experiences. And I tell my students, if you get a chance to do something, try it out, because you never know. You might go to school saying, I just want to be a flute performance major. But you never know. You might want to wave your hand in front of the band, and you might like it. So um, when I was during my undergrad, I started composing music, and it was from, you know, I just love soundtracks. I was like, oh, oh. I want to do this. This cool. is really cool. And, of course, there was all this other stuff. Because, like, when you take uh, all these uh, courses, like 20th century theory, and you're starting, we had to write different things every week. And yep. this idiom and this idiom I was like, oh, this is so neat. Yeah. And then being a percussionist, you know, it's just, it's just booming all over the place with all kind of, hey, here's this instrument. Let's try to write for that. And my mind was going everywhere. And some schools don't want you to do that. Yeah. And but my undergrad was like, "Hey, dude, do whatever you want. You yeah. know, you're passing the classes, you're having fun. Do whatever you want." And so then I went and did my master's in performance and I percussion performance and I loved it. I got to take conducting lessons and I, I met uh, my first real comp teacher who I loved. He's passed on, uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, I, I I just loved him and he changed the way I looked at uh, music and co- and composing. And then after I uh, graduated with my master's, I, I got a job uh, teaching percussion and humanities, which is similar to, uh, you know, um, kind of, it's like music fundamentals and some kind of history together. Yep. It, uh, it was actually at my undergrad. Huh. I got a call from the chair that says, hey, look, we have a lot of percussion students. Uh, the other percussion teacher, can't take them all and you can teach some of these humanities class and then I was teaching high school at the same time so it was really fun and then I got to be able to play with the symphony and opera so it was just like this was really neat so but then I wanted to teach college full-time so you have to have a doctoral degree right, right. so I was like all right I guess I gotta quit everything and go back to school <laughs> so when I did my DMA and percussion performance I went to another school and took comp lessons because we didn't have a composition teacher and I also studied conducting at the same school. And then I got to conduct our, our, our university band with another grad school, another school, excuse me, another a student at, uh, during graduate school and I just kept on. And then um, during my second year of my DMA, I got hired at a school down the street, <laughs> adjunct. And then by my last year of my DMA, I was full time there. But yeah. it's really weird because somebody goes, You know, you have three percussion performance degrees. Yes, you perform, you teach percussion, blah, blah, blah. But I notice you're a band director. You taught <laughs> high school. You're at your second school as a director of bands. And I see that you're a published composer. Right. And I go, Yes. Yep. And I go, I, it's kind of like that old school classical model. If you think of people during the classical period of broke, what did they do? They performed. Mm-hmm. They composed. They taught. Yeah. And I was like, when I was younger, I was like, you know, why why can't I do that? Sure. But what was funny, there was one person I took some lessons with. His name was David Maslanka. Oh. And the first thing he asked me, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a percussionist or a composer? Oh, really? And, and he just... He said that. And before I opened my mouth, he goes, you can't be both. Oh, really? Yes. And it stunned me. He's like, you can't do both equally. And I was just like, I didn't know what to say. So I said, I'll have to think about it. Yeah. Because I, in my eyes, do whatever you want. Because you and I know very well that there are people that do all kinds of things.
0: How old were you when he said that to you?
1: Mm, 34, maybe, oh. maybe 35.
0: I was thinking, you know, if you were like 21 or something, I was thinking maybe maybe he would say that just to make sure you focused on something. or I Yeah. And that, was, at that point, I would think it's...
1: It caught me off guard, you know, yeah. because that's the first person that said, you can't do both. Huh. And I said, I'll have to think about it because... I'm not go argue with him, you know, you know it was, it was <laughs> right. David Maslanka. I was wanting to have the lesson yeah. and get into the music, you know, and so I got I was able to have, a, you know, a few lessons with him and all that, and I learned quite a bit.
0: When I was leaving high school or in high school, I didn't even know, I wasn't even at the point of thinking about jobs. So did you think about jobs when you made that decision?
1: I think I was in middle school. Yeah. I remember I always wanted to do music yeah. when I was little. I would look at, like, uh, like, these catalogs where you could order drums and all that, and MTV was big, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Right. I want to do something like this. And I begged my mom and dad, and they're like, oh, you don't need to join band. And I kept begging them. They're like, all right, we'll try it. And by that time, it was seventh grade, and the middle school had a seventh grade beginning band. So I auditioned to, into it. Well, not really auditioned. You literally had to just show up, and you did the instrument fitting. Right. And the band director was like, you're playing this. Ah. The students really have a choice. She was sneaky, and it made sense. She wouldn't get you to go through this process, and she would see what worked best for you. she
0: was really good
1: at it. And it makes sense because, like, you know, you could be, I want to play saxophone, but you can't get a sound out, or I want to play trumpet, but you can't buzz. Right. And so, you know, I started off on the instrument other than percussion, and I was sad, (laughs) you know, and my mom and I talked to her, and she goes, all right, if you take lessons... Um, we can look at it in January. So I took lessons and uh-huh. turned turned it around. But when I was younger, I wanted to be like this lady. I was like, this okay. lady is so cool. We're all having fun here. You know, I, I want. I love music. I want to be a band director because of her. Yeah. And, and when you're young, you, it was either you were on MTV in a rock band or you were in the classroom as a band director. You know, people played in the symphony, but I, I really didn't know in seventh grade, uh, how you got there, Right, right. you know, that, because you don't really see that too much, and then when I got to high school, you know, I still kind of wanted to be the band director, but I was like, oh, I love percussion, and we would go to uh, honor bands, like at University of Georgia, Yeah. and the percussion ensemble, I would see them, and the drum line, I would see them, I was like, oh my gosh, this is cool, yeah. things are getting better as I'm going up, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, I want to do something like this, I I want to be somebody teaching drums, and and, and all this great jazz and stuff. So, you know, that's, I, uh, I knew by ninth grade I'm going to be a music major. But we didn't know, like, we thought it just meant music major was one thing. Yeah, you become, I remember that. You become a music major, yep. and I guess magically you go here or there. I'm be a music yeah. major. I can't remember somebody going, well, there's an education route or yeah. a performance route, and uh-huh. some schools had this. I didn't know that till right before I went into my undergrad.
0: Yep. Do you, feel, do you feel content with uh, where you are right now? Yes. What would you like to be doing in five years?
1: What I'm doing now. I, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing now. And I just want to build upon that at my institution. Uh-huh.
0: Well, where would you like to see um, music education in high schools be in five years?
1: More appreciated. Uh-huh. like the universal idea you know some some states are really good Yep. some states go why yeah why should we because music costs people mm-hmm. you don't make schools don't make money in music like at the collegiate level that when you look at the budgets music departments cost money
0: yeah but so many other things do as well
1: that's true But, you know, unfortunately they go art and music, oh, they're costing us. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, look at all the stuff we're doing.
0: They're also bringing in a lot of money.
1: Bringing in money, bringing in students. There's a lot of plus. And, of course, nowadays it's all about data. We can't just have a good time and progress. we got to have data. So I would love, you know, for music education universally, even in just the United States, to be accepted more yeah everywhere across no matter if you only have a choir over here if you have a band here you know it all has to be on the same page because it's such a positive avenue it's like when you hear people you see people beating on the table singing over here everybody's got a radio in their car and I tell people I was like all right let's get rid of education but that means you're gonna get rid of the radios too you know we can't do that I said why we got, oh, you got to have the radio. I said, it all goes together.
0: Yeah.
1: It all goes together. And I said, oh, you go to church. You sing in the choir. Oh, well, we got to get rid of that, too.
0: Yep. Why?
1: And I just, I don't answer them. And then they go, oh. I said, it all feeds one another. And I was like, imagine a school without art or music. It'd be a pretty boring place. I've seen them. And I have, too.
0: Last.
1: You know, and... You and I know this, but then it takes one person to just go slash. We're going to get rid of it. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you get rid of something, it's real hard to get back. Very
0: difficult.
1: Yes. And then everybody pays for it. Like, you yep. know, the music is gone. So, too. But there's also ways to provide music on a lower level, like budget wise. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we could have a band of, you know, you, you, there's ways to find instruments, yeah. A lower, you know, unfortunately, some schools go wild and they spend a lot.
0: The, this, the camp that we're at, um, International Music Camp, started uh, and they said something like, if we make, was it $1 or $100?
1: Yeah, so something like the that. first year, mm-hmm. we,
0: we, ha- we can't lose money. And mm-hmm. I, the first time I heard the story, it was actually just, if we make $1. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I heard, we just can't lose money and then we'll do it next year. And um, when you have, when your definition of success is not only monetary, when it's, we had a bunch of young people in and we um, did all these wonderful things and learned a bunch of lessons and shared, you know, humanity, (laughs) increased our understanding and experience then that's worth it um where would you like to what would you like to see happen with composition
1: composition you know it's so widespread yeah I mean when students look at composition they're like what can I do and I was like do you have like at least an hour to talk?" yeah because uh, again you see composition is one thing like if you're in the band it's writing for band, right? You know, so and I go well. You, you can write for band. You can write for jazz band. You can write for orchestra. You can write for marching band. Arranging is type is a type of com- composing yep. avenue. You can do solo instruments. You can do film score, video game music, and then they go, "Wow, I never th- thought about that." I said, "You can compose chor. Uh, excuse me, a uh, choral music for church, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, bells, You know, there's 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 so many avenues. But again, too." Um, you know, you can get a comp degree, or you can get another degree and compose. I, there's several people who have made it really big that don't have a composition degree.
0: How do you define, what do you do if you get a question like, what kind of composer are you?
1: What kind of composer am I? You know, when I was younger, I, I was like, I want to go do this. This is the kind of composer. The composer I am now, I do a lot of chamber music. Small group. I do small group. Like duos have become my niche all of a sudden. And you know what? That's fine. But you know, I grew up going, I'm going to write symphonies. Mm. I'm going to write big band pieces. And I've written band pieces and I love it. I want to do it again. But like, I'm starting to get back into mixed ensembles, like with percussion and wind, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that to try to fill niches. And, you know, I, I'm i literally a, more of a chamber composer now. And, of course, I do a lot of arranging for the marching band side and for right. the drum line because that's just been something I've done since my undergrad.
0: But that's out of need. I mean, yes, that's not... So, so you just said, well, I've become more of this. Is that just because that's what you've composed lately or is that where your inspiration has uh, led you?
1: I think both, you know, like... And, you know, I'm seeing all the stuff, and I feel like nobody's ever pressured me And oh, you need to go this way. It's just like, oh, I want to develop this for this instrument and this. This would be a cool combination, or this would be a cool color to use. Mm. And, you know, I'm not out there looking to see if other people have done it. I was just like, hey, I I want to do this. And it's, it's becoming, or it was received very well, and... Like, I feel like, too, that most of the music I write is more accessible, meaning it'd be it's accessible for, like, um, a moderate level. So it'd be really, for a, a high school... Easy uh, to play. I don't like to use the word easy, but, you know, like, really good high school students could play it or okay. undergrads. All right. Because, you know, as well as I do, we grew up, you had this easier music or you had this stuff it might take a semester to learn yeah and in the middle there was very little right and i was like when i was there i was like well why don't you know there's some people riding in that niche and i was like you know even as a percussionist i like difficult music but you know what it's nice to play really really good music that you don't have to stress over
0: yeah can you talk a bit about the piece that you wrote for trumpet percussion that i used okay the
1: of the podcast. slightly funky uh-huh. for trumpet and percussion okay you know through all three degrees I've had friends that played trumpet yeah and being a percussionist I would look for some duets and there's some out there And some of them were just really, really long or really, really short, or they had this large setup, you know, and when you were long, when we were young, you're like, oh, I want to do this large setup. And then you started setting it up and you're like, oh my gosh. And then it's like, you got to find a room or a space because you can't just dare tear it down. You're talking
0: about like something with 13 drums.
1: You know, 13 drums and you're like, you know, eight cymbals and then you need some break drums and then... You might need a keyboard instrument too that you gotta pack in there. Yeah. And then you gotta practice that. Then you gotta tear it down and reassemble I didn't say anything that was bad about it. It's just like, it's very, it's difficult when you're working in a smaller institution or go there and you don't have anywhere to set it up. And I came up with this idea. I was just like, you know what, as a percussionist, I'm tired of this. This works sometimes, but I want something portable. Uh-huh. So I was like, portable? I was like, you know, I start looking at the catalogs and you don't see anything really portable. Okay. So I was like, okay. I grew up listening to James Brown. I love uh, Galactic. Uh-huh. You know, Stanton Moore. I love this kind of funk kind of stuff. So I was just like, hmm. I, you know, I said, what do I have around here? And I got like, you know, the Black Swamp legs to put on the bass drum. Right. You know, so you could play it parallel to the floor. And I had this little drum set with a 16-inch kick that I bought for from on Black Friday one year, really cheap, just as like a you know a. You know, use a multi percussion. So I set that up and I put a snare next to it and I put a hi-hat and I go, hmm, splash small crash cymbal and I was like, what do I have over here? Wood block cowbell bongos or two toms, like a six inch and an eight inch tom.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I started playing around with that and I was like, you know, I don't have to use a kick, a pedal for right. the kick I can use just mallets and sticks. So I started seeing what I could do with you know, just in this multi-percussion thing. And I was like, oh, I'll, I could do, easily do something for trumpet and percussion. I was like, hey, in this setup, you know, I could put in the back of my vehicle, wouldn't take up much much space. Most of this will be found in an undergrad or even a graduate situation, yeah. even a high school. Uh, and then I think it came out about uh, three minutes, 45 seconds. I said, this would be a good opener a closer to a recital. It'd be a great undergraduate piece or graduate piece. I mean, it's been pre- been performed several times. It was even performed here at IMC a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was fun putting it together. And I worked with a, uh, the trumpet uh, teacher at one of my jobs. I would show him this and the way I used the cowbell and the woodblock. I tried to use them as notes, like yeah. colors. Like So you had this melodic kind of figure in here. And as percussionists, usually you just you grew up hitting things. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the idea of like, oh, we can kind of play a melody, yeah. you know, wow. And so, you know, it, it came uh, slightly funky, kind of came out of that idea, you know, and the trumpet part doesn't go too high. So it's accessible for both parts. It's not easy by any means. No,
0: it sounds really hard.
1: It's not easy, but it's not something that's going to take you incredibly large amount of time. And the crowd's going to like it. Yeah. The duo playing it's going to like putting it together. And that's another thing. Like, I like playing with somebody where it's like, oh, our parts fit. We're You know, we're having fun. Because you, I played some duets, and I go, you know, I'm not having fun. Yeah. You know, it never locks together. And it's yep. just like we're just playing through it. Yeah. And so, like, that, that became very popular, and uh, I submitted it. Uh, several publishers and I got like a call a week later hey I want to publish this Cool. you know and he said I forget like in a short amount of time it sold like 10 or 12 copies
0: wow did you write that for the trumpet player that you premiered it with with Ken Jimenez yes
1: Um, we work at the same institution I was like hey we're going to be doing this tour in the fall I'll write something for us to play friends and that's another thing like before that I had written some pieces for trombone. Uh, one was for trombone and timpani, one was trombone and marimba so I could play with you know the other faculty at my institution.
0: Yeah. Those are nice pieces too. I like
1: those. And they're great and you know MTNA commissioned me to write another piece and I said I'll do it for trumpet and marimba. So we'll premiere that next June. Right. So again you've heard the word duet. I was just like and I didn't I didn't even know this. Yeah. And I was just like I'm writing a lot of duets and they and they were fun.
0: It's fun to write?
1: Yeah, they were fun to write, because like I can I hear I hear this person always practicing and uh-huh. when they're playing over there noodling around and I'm writing stuff here and I can just run down the hall and ask them. It was really fun, and I had a un- a unique composition last year commission. Get this one person who sings and plays bass clarinet, not at the same time. Oh, so they opened up playing the bass clarinet. It, it was this young lady. Um, who had a big operatic voice, but she played bass clarinet. And she was like, I can't find anything for this. I was like, "Uh, no, (laughs) you're not really going to do that. And I got this idea when I was, after my DMA, I got to teach at the institution where I got my DMA for a little bit. And one of the vocal uh, majors was also like in the drum line and percussion ensemble. And she came out there and she played this piece where she played critales with a triangle beater and sing while she was playing. I was like, this is a really cool combination because there's a lot of people who sing, and what better instrument? You know, you could play vibes and sing over it. It's like playing guitar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nobody ever writes anything like this. And when she told me that, I was like, I'm going to do this.
0: Cool. Okay, now compare it. So you wrote the duet, Slightly Funky, for you and your buddy Ken. Yes. And you already had a tour. That sounds like a very different situation. And... Uh, inspiration than MTNA a commissioning you and giving you a deadline and saying, we want a piece by this date. Yes. Okay, then what do you do?
1: Well, having the date uh, or... A- a- anything. Well, they said, all right, you're the commission composer this year. Yeah. All right, here's how much we're going to give you. Okay. Here's when we need the piece. Here's when it's going to be premiered. Do whatever you want.
0: Okay. So you, you've been given a blank slate. What, how do you, what do you do next?
1: Well, I thought about it too. I was like, okay, so if I do anything really large, I got to find people to perform it. Okay. Okay. Um, right. I live a th- almost a thousand miles away from this performance venue because I'm in Oklahoma. This has to happen in North Dakota now. Yeah. And I go, Okay so that makes it harder because we got to rehearse so writing a band piece is totally out you know i could have wrote a, a choral piece but i was like i want to go an instrumental piece and i was like you know i would love to perform my own piece that takes one personality equation hmm what do i have around here i, I have a friend who can play trumpet on here i have this friend who can do this or this and i was like well you know we've been playing together why don't i just keep this combination and go with it. You know, I feel comfortable with playing this instrument, playing with this person. These colors work together. We've heard, we've heard marimba and trumpet. I can say that. Yeah, I, it's for marimba and trumpet. Um, and and go with it.
0: Yeah. And then, I guess I should have asked: Have you have you written some of it? All of it? You've written some of it.
1: It's con- it's completely done. Oh, okay. it's completely done. Uh, it's just sitting in a file, uh, ready to go.
0: So so then my question is. Whoa! Where do you go for musical material? All right, so your next step.
1: Uh, musical material. You know, it just it just really depends. Like I can have a specific idea in mind, yeah. uh, depending on the piece. Like I have a piece I want to do in the future, and I was going to base it around certain colors and sounds, or maybe uh, certain uh, peoples or groups from Europe. Okay. You know, I don't know if I can talk about it too much. <laughs> you know, so this one, I, I said, uh, right off, I said, I want to do three movements. It's going right. to be like 10 or 11 minutes long. Uh, the middle movement, it, it, I'm, it goes back to the classical idea. Here's a fast opening movement. Here's a lyrical second movement. Mm-hmm. Here's a fast third movement. That form still works today. You know, I've been to some schools where the, the comp teacher was like, ah, oh, don't use form. Do whatever you want. And I was like, but if I want to use this form, he's like, no, no form just right like through coming we had to we had to do that yeah. to, to prove a point sure. and I like playing something with a little bit of form the audience likes to hear that because they hear things coming back and then yeah. they can leave with that motive or melody in their head but you know it works for me but I've seen some other pieces that might be Aleatoric or something else that work sure I think it just it depends on what the person wants to write and I wanted I want I know how I played a marimba so I wrote Parts that are friendly to the way I play, mm-hmm. that I like to to work with, so I use that material there. And I said, okay. I I also remember you learned like programmatic music. Yes. I love programmatic music. So like I would I would write on paper like titles. Okay. And then I would go, hmm. Here's this title. This sounds kind of sad. Here's this title. This sounds joyous. You know everybody's different and these would trigger ideas Oh wow! because like i didn't want to go like duo number one it it was just like you know that's boring Uh you know so it would have an overall it has an overall theme and each movement has a different title that reflects a different uh mood Uh and so you know i would write that like you know one might be in g minor and, and one might be in b flat Major, you know, something like that. So you have moods. But then the piece can shift a little bit within it. I'm I, I'm very modal when I write. Yes. And I just love that. I mean... I, hmm.
0: So it sounds kind of like you start with the big outside frame and then you work in.
1: Sometimes. But there's been times where I just ad-libbed. Oh, and go, oh I, I like that groove. Yeah. That, that color sounds good. That chord work here. Uh-huh. Alright, I'd get on the piano and write this course, you know, like when you're writing for the trumpet, you have to know the range. Right. And that range extends the better the, the person. So like, you know, and, and Slightly Funky, I think the range was easily two, 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 two octaves. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, go, it didn't go incredibly low, it didn't go incredibly high, but it was enough to serve the purpose of that. So I had to know that, you know. Yeah. You know, some people, like, I had one teacher say, just write Uh and let them figure it out. And I was like, okay, you know, but I I had that. But, you know, he wrote stuff, but he would also, like, have this famous brass quintet play it. I was like, that's not reality. Right. If you need a
0: specialist to play it, then you won't get it played more.
1: Exactly. But I also didn't, I honestly don't think that's all the time. So I was like, you know, I do think about who's playing it. And I'll go, hey, what's your good low note? Where should I stop? Or what keys don't really work for certain instruments? Because to me, that's the idea of being accessible or user-friendly.
0: So for you, do you think that um, other composers, some other composers might care more or less about the piece being performed?
1: I think so. I think I think it's everywhere. You know, it's about this piece. Yeah. It might get performed. It might not. It might be performed one time. You know, there's that idea. It's commissioned. I got I got so paid. you know there
0: will be one, and that's great.
1: Yes, there's those people. I I I would rather my piece be heard several times. Yeah. You know, I I'm also the idea of like if the piece is never performed, it doesn't exist.
0: Oh, okay.
1: You write a really great story and you put it in your notebook and it sits under your bed for the rest of your life. Does it exist?
0: Well, I know some writers who, who do that. Yeah. They write just for themselves.
1: And that's great. And I think, you know, that can be very therapeutic. Yeah. But what if it's good, you know? Nobody knows. There's a lot of, I think, hidden gems, art, yeah. literature, music, that's just sitting there.
0: Have you ever been... Um... Or in the beginning, were you nervous about putting your music out?
1: Oh my goodness! It made me not. It, it almost made me nauseous because you're like, I wrote this piece, and I had discussions with you know teachers. It's like you know, I wrote this piece. I like it, but what if everybody else says it sucks? Right. And he was like, that's called reality. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? Everybody kind of goes through that, and. Even like we premiered one of my pieces last night, and it was just like, yep. they're for claves. Are people going to get this? You know, here are this claves. You know, for us in the percussion world, they would be like, were oh, we another clave piece? <laughs> but here at the camp, they were like, oh, that's so cool that you were able to do that with that rhythms. And I could hear the different tones yeah. from the different. And I was like, oh, cool, thank you. You know, because like we would go, when we were about to go on, I was just like, oh, you know, here we I go. Didn't know that. Here we go. You know, I just. But on the other side, you have to ask yourself, you know, you're writing this. You can't let people influence you. You know, you write. What I have several students when I was teaching high school, they want to start a rock band. Yeah. And they go, what should we play? Oh, and I was yeah, like, no, no, right. no, no, you got to do your own thing. Well, will it be like? I was like, no, you can't do that. I said, go write music and see if you guys enjoy playing it. Yeah. That's what I want. And that kind of is the way that's how composing it is today, because we're always worried about like, you know, like if you're a big time composer and a a newspaper goes, I went to this um, premiere and it was horrible. That could end somebody's it could be a bad performance Mm. in the wrong venue, the wrong town. But I don't know what's more nervous, performing your own music or sitting in the crowd and hearing it.
0: Oh, I didn't even think of that. Because
1: like last week we premiered a piece for trumpet and piano, and I sat in the very back. Oh my goodness, right. <laughs> and it was, you know, it came out really nice, and you know, you know people applauded, and they're like, "Oh, that's pretty. It was cool." And I was like, "Thank you, thank you," you know. But you know, last night I performed in it, so I'm right there in the in the light, and it was totally different side. Huh. And then there's a third one. Okay. Conducting my own piece as a. <gasps> So I have all these students going here, yeah. And I'm conducting a band piece that I've I've written, and that's another. It is part of her performance because conducting is a performance idiom. Right. True. But to me, it's different than playing my marimba solo. Oh. Versus, here's a baton. The students are bringing my music to life. Right. And we're told, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just. Do it, you know, and yeah, I guess I could do that, but I'm always like, hey, you know, did you like that? You know, you know did that part go really high? Can you, you know, I've, I'm always about asking questions, and my one comp teacher I really like is like, don't ask questions, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, part of it, he was right. Yeah. He was right, but telling yourself, but there's some people that just go at it, but everybody's different.
0: Did you, have you... Uh... Did you have to struggle through something and is it like now you're on the other side and you you can let it go easier? Or is it just as hard, say last night with the premiere of that piece, is it just as hard as it always has been?
1: I think it's gotten a lot easier. What would be hard is who's in the crowd.
0: Oh. So that still does affect you. The...
1: You know, like, last night we had all these wonderful uh, students here on camp, the other faculty, staff, you know, they're, they're just – they want to hear music in different ways, you know, we're having fun. But if, we, if there was a room of 300 percussionists, hmm. things change because they're more critical.
0: But we have some – See, I would th- we have some composers here on, on the staff, and I would think in some ways, I would, well, I, I guess I shouldn't argue. I asked you a question and you answered it. <laughs> That's just interesting to me. I think um, sometimes I am more concerned about what non, it, the farther out it gets, non-conquestionists, mm-hmm. non-musicians think of my art.
1: I think it can go both ways, but I think for me, like, you know, the people in the crowd, it can really change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what would you like, what are your composition goals? Like in 10 years, what would you, what would you be happy having written or what what do you hope you're writing in 10 years?
1: I have, I have things I want to write. One thing is an opera. Oh, wow! i want to ride a, um an opera why because i played an opera ever since i was undergrad i, I love playing an opera pit mm-hmm. i if if i mean i i could see myself playing in a, a full-time opera percussion section and mm-hmm. i would love it it's just something about it and i've grown up playing like i said an opera musicals and the symphony i like them all um I would have to say, you know, symphony and opera definitely sticks out. So I've seen all kind of operas from the, from um, sitting in the pit yep. to the audience. And then this recently, at least here, I got to conduct my first full opera at my new job. Oh. A Mozart opera. And it was so fun. Cool. So I have all these ideas for an opera. And I was talking to the people at my new school, and they're like, oh, we should do this. You know, we could put this together. And I said, you know, i, I got to at least have three years... Th- in this job first before we do that yeah you know it, it would probably be on the shorter side It might be a chamber opera who knows right you know it might be it probably be about an hour hour and a half it wouldn't be this two three hour thing and they were like great you know that would be really perfect here so i would love to do that i was talking to the uh um my assistant bandwriter who's a euphonium player about writing a euphonium concerto for him oh and i that makes i was like yes let's do this cool but on the other thing people go well you're a percussionist and i go so yeah <laughs> and that's another thing that i've run into too like um i have a cd of my piano music yep. can you play that i said nope you know i can't really slow the piano pieces but i have a full cd of my piano music and i said oh i heard it in my head and i wrote it out and like i let piano faculty play through some of the stuff because I said, I'm pretty sure this will work. And they go, yeah, it's just hard. Or, yeah, this is fairly accessible. Uh-huh. And they go, but you're a percussionist. And I was like, what's the deal with this? Right. I was just like, a choral person can write wind ensemble music. Uh, a wind ensemble person can write choral music. And again, you know, who knows what you can do?
0: Yeah. All the people who write symphonies cannot play every instrument.
1: That's and true. Orchestra. And so, like an opera, I would love to write an opera in the next ten years. Uh, the euphonium concerto seems like it, it it'll be doable in three to five years. I'll keep writing percussion music. Um, I would like to write more band music because hmm. I my band I my band was like someone was like, "Why don't you write us something to play?" I was like, "Oh, okay," <laughs> you know, and that's really neat. So, yeah. you know, and they they want to experiment and they want new things coming out of the school. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there's all kind of things I want to do. It's really neat. And you, you got, I have plenty of time.
0: And it's, the things that you do, they all have a different amount of, um, or different types of time that you have to spend with people. Some of the things you do are with hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And some of the things you do are silent and alone.
1: Exactly.
0: Do you sometimes find yourself doing one of them and feeling like, whoa, I really need to spend some time doing the other, or at least with doing some work?
1: Yes, there's times in my job where I'm just fatigued, exhausted. I have a great time. Like this past spring, we had probably about close to 6,000 students one week for a state contest that I was in charge of. (laughs) And I was on my feet, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, making sure everything worked. It was a great experience, but you were talking about hundreds and talking about thousands of people that, you know, like if something went wrong, it'd be on me, Yeah. you know, and it was nervous on one side. I was nervous on one side, but you know... thrilled on the other side. to get to see all these students. They're in my building, meeting these band directors, helping them out. But by the time I got home, I was like, you know, I don't even want to talk to anybody. I don't even want to watch Netflix. (laughs) I just want to go and lay down. But it's really weird that, you know, people are like, oh, that must have been a horrible day. And I was like, no, but you're exhausted. You don't don't want to do it. Yes. I was like, but that's, but then like I wanted to be alone. Sure. Like, you know, on the weekend, I just sat on the couch and watched Netflix, and I couldn't remember what I ate. It was probably not good. (laughs) And then, you know, and then you get up, you get through the two days, and you're like, all right, go back to work. And it was happy. Yeah. You know, so sometimes, you know, composing is really nice. It's by myself in my office. I got my marimba over here. I got the piano right here. There's no pressure. You know, usually any kind of deadline for a commission is six months plus away. Okay. So that's another thing, you know, it, um, you know, people say, well, how do you work with deadlines? I said, you ever went to grad school, <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs>
1: you know, and they go, oh, yes, yes I know. Okay. Right. The answer is the question.
0: Yep. Yep. Huh. The answer is I stay up all every night for the last week.
1: <laughs> you know, we've been through that. I remember writing my dissertation sitting in this wood chair in my bedroom in the corner of the desk to the point where my back hurts so bad. That some friends bought me a, a gift certificate to the massage therapist, nice. and they also bought me a nicer chair because, like, I would work two hours, watch a short episode on something on Netflix, work another two hours, and then by that time, force myself to go to bed.
0: Yeah. So, what do you think? You, um, what kind of person it makes a is, is a healthy musician? If you were telling a high school student, if they're saying to you, I don't know if I'll be a good, if I'm cut out to be a good musician, uh, live the life of a musician, what, what personality traits or, or what, what, what do you tell somebody they have to get used to, or you lifestyle?
1: Know, uh, well, I see all kind of personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can be severely introverted, mm-hmm. so extrovert, and they can both be successful Mm-hmm. And, you know and go different ways in music and it's hard for me when a student goes am i going to be successful and i go that that's up to you right that's up to you i'm never going to tell a student yeah you're going to be successful let's get you through here and get, get another graduation uh, under our belt i go that's up to you right. and i said but it's up to you to ask questions along the way and you know venture out and ask you know see things because it can be it, you can do as much as you want or you can do as little as you want it comes down to you and i was like if you're a go-getter and you know how to plan schedule um you know it's almost like a, being self-employed you know you, you're running a you're running your business you got to advertise yourself and all that and i and i lay it out i said let's i actually put it on like a dry erase board i was yeah. like look at these look at these things right here do you think you could do it okay and i, and I go i go. you don't have to answer all of them right now right because I don't expect you because some of these things you probably don't know yeah I said you know but hey start off if you really think you want to be a music major you start off as a music major a freshman year you're taking these gen ed classes anyways and usually outside of art and music you don't start your major classes until you're a junior year yeah. anyway so you I try to show them the possibilities in case you know because if you go and say you only can do this they kind of cringe up you know and they like having options and I was like you know I tell them the truth, you know, it's going to be hard at times, but what job isn't? Mm-hmm. But I said, you know what, it's the coolest job I've ever had. It's constantly changing, and there's so many ways you can go, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I always check in with them, you know. We talk about this quite a bit each semester. Yeah. You still like what you're doing, you know. There's several ways you can go. You're not locked into it.
0: That's true. Some people think that they have to do something the way somebody else did or exactly
1: yeah you know when I was an undergrad we were told you got to do this this and this and they they were in charge they had a doctoral degree so you're like okay and then as I learned I was like no that really wasn't right Hmm. (laughs) because I don't like live students you know you want to be a music educator here's what it looks like you might shift over here you might go to change over and go to business. Who knows? You know, the thing is, you know, long as you progress and you better yourself in the world, that's all that matters.
0: So you have to just keep going.
1: You have, I tell you, you have to keep going and you can't let people, you know, affect you. It'd be different, you know, if you were doing something like that was illegal or highly, you know, uh, you know, it depends on the person's idea of more highly immoral or something like that, sure. where, you know, uh, it's just, you shouldn't go that route, but you know, it's like when it goes back to my students saying, what should, what should our band do?
0: Yeah.
1: Write music that you like and enjoy playing it together. What if right. they don't like it, then you quit. I, I you know, <laughs> then write some, yeah. you write something, you know, it goes back to that. And in music, there's not always one answer. And I think people don't understand that you can't give me a contr- concrete answer. No, I'm not going to lie to you.
0: Right. Okay, so you're saying all that. What's what do you think is um what are things that have surprised you in your life? Um in this life in music?
1: Um I guess how it's received, you know, um is that I'm thinking that's the way you're talking about. Um I don't know. Um anything. Anything. I mean, I've seen, you know, music there's music in almost every shape and form, you know. There's things people are doing that I would be like, "Wow, I never thought about that," and I like it. And there's some stuff that I don't like. That doesn't mean I hate it. And that's another thing, too. I think, uh, you know, <laughs> you know where I'm going. It's just like, like
0: you can appreciate, but you don't.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, like I, I love my students trying that. Do I like it? Probably, you know. Sometimes no, but I'm not answering your question either. <laughs>
0: okay, so uh, let's talk. Um, Career-wise, what has surprised you?
1: In my career? Yeah. Um, there's been some personal things I've gone through mm-hmm. uh, because on one side, music, people are like, oh, you do music. It's great. But it's been the other side where people go, wow, you're, you went into music. What's wrong with you?
0: Oh, jeez.
1: And that's what surprised me the most. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot of people go, you got a master's degree, but you're working part time at a college and a high school. Yeah. And they go, where did you mess up? And I go, what are, what are you talking about? They're like, well, you don't make that much money. And I was like, no. And I, I can't believe how much negativity to that has come up when I was younger like it was like you wasted your time. Uh-huh. You wasted your time. Why did you pick an instrument that's like $10,000 to buy this marimba? Uh, it it's, it was always about money, 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 yeah. money, money. And it was really hard, you know. And then on the other side, people are like, oh, this is great. You're doing what you want. But it was the other side that yeah. was hard when I was younger. You You wasted your life. Now you got student loans for nothing. And I was like, no, I, I, I loved what I did. I want to go back and do get my doctoral degree later.
0: There are some fields where if you have a master's, then that's as high as you can go. And also that means then you're going to make a huge bank. Yes. But I didn't even know that <laughs> until I was.
1: Well, you know, I went to school with people that got a degree in pharmacy. Uh, and they went to school for six years and they started off at $100,000. Right. And even my mom was like, why didn't you do that? Yeah. Well, I, but it was just always, why couldn't you have done this? Why couldn't you have uh, done this? That's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And I, I wouldn't have thought about, nope, you know, we, we were taught, especially in our masters, it was like, you know, you most likely will struggle for several years, mm-hmm. you know, but you're going to enjoy what you're doing. It's about who you know, making this audition, getting out here and do that. And I go, okay. Yeah. And we're all like, okay, yeah. And this is nothing new. Yep. And we were fine with it. You know, we had a blast going to school. Yeah, it was hard, but it was that was the biggest thing is like getting off a ship and somebody, how dare you?
0: <laughs>
1: and I remember, like, you know, when I was like 25 and they're like, oh, you still haven't found a full time job yet. And I was like, no, I work at the college and the high school and I do this. I play in the symphony and the opera. And they're like, what is that, like four or five jobs? I said, yeah. Yep. And they were like, I can't I can't believe you can't find a job. Oh, and I, wow. You know, it was really negative yeah. like that and I was just like no, it's really cool. And I tried to tell him too, and you can you'll probably know that, you know, like going out of your masters, what I was doing was a quite a lot. Yes, it was. At the age of 24, 25, really most people most people don't have that no and i tried to say that and then they would other people would comment and be like wow they they probably should have went elsewhere too and it was just uh, but it was always this uh, idea that why did you do or it wasn't ed ed track or you know right. your friend's 21 and they got a job teaching at the high school over here yes <laughs> yep <laughs> okay so that was probably the most negative thing about being in music. Now, you know, we have the things about, you know, job search. It's stressful and all that. But this was, you know, it's almost like, you know, you're having a good time and you're getting kicked down. Right. And I, several of my friends ran into that. Hmm. Their parents would be like, why don't you go back to school and do this or that?
0: Yeah, my undergrad and my master's school was very, they were really realistic, like mm-hmm. yours yeah maybe they needed to send some notes home (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah well that's sad and hopefully those people don't talk to you anymore
1: no you know I I went on and it's like even today you know I I would tell my students about this and I tell them I was like you know if you go certain routes people might say why are you doing this Yeah. I want you to know but I'll say you know what On the other side, you know, it can be tricky and difficult, but it's fun. Mm. I was like, you know, I asked somebody one day, I said, what if you have to work at the bookstore 20 hours a week and play in a jazz club uh, three or four times a night? Would you like that? And they go, yeah. I said, remember that.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Is that what you want to do?
0: Yeah. Which does seem perplexing to some people who have other passions that they want time to pursue and do that are not the things that are going to make them money. Mm -hmm. And that's the complex part with us. What about um, percussion? What has surprised you?
1: Even though, you know, we went through school and you saw all this stuff, you still, you go out and you go, wow, our field is humongous. You go to PASIC convention, you're like, I I don't even know what's going on sometimes because there's so much going on. And then some people are like, well, why don't you know it all? And it's like, there's really no way you can do it. You know, It's just like, you do a lot of world percussion, I do a lot of marching band percussion. It's night and day, right?
0: But we still both do a ton of the concert, Mm -hmm. which in itself is, I mean, it's almost
1: ridiculous. Yes, it's, you know, even... In my age, you know, it's so in depth, you know, and then you get in this one field and then it's like, you go this door and you go this door mm-hmm. and on one side, it's mind boggling. And on the other side, you're like, oh, this is so cool. There's something else for me to learn. Right. You know, it's like that. And some people are like, oh my gosh, it's, it's horrible. And I was like, well, a new medicine came out that a doctor had to learn about, True. <laughs> you know, or a procedure. And it's kind of like that. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like you go every year and, you know, some people are like, aren't you tired of going to PASIC? I was like, nope, because there'll be something here this year that I have never heard of. More research. More, More research or this way of doing that. And it's interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, and I tell my students, it's like, you know, I can teach you only so much, but it's going to be up to you after you get out how to figure out how to do something or where to go to find the answer. And I said, I'm going to tell you college is not going to prepare you fully and nor should it or right. can it nope. and, and I said that's fine I said but you know knowing who to ask questions or where to go to or how to get it it's like research here's this topic where are you going to get the information yep. and how are you going to get it and I said you know what it's okay
0: you are listening to the art lives podcast and an interview with Dr. Nicholas Myers I'm interrupting you to remind you to please rate Art lives on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. More ratings help more listeners find the podcast. We'll return now to my interview with Nick Myers. We had just premiered a new composition of Nick's at the International Music Camp the night before this interview. So I asked Nick to talk about composing that piece.
1: Remember when we had the group chat yeah and as summer started which i mean for the was
0: you were saying it was i like, could write it was like a three
1: weeks ago we were talking yeah. about i was like i can write a quintet i've been making my own claves here i know and then you guys were like do it and so like i just kind of jotted some stuff down and then last week i finished it up here at camp
0: so it was probably like a week long yeah project. not even that is that normal for
1: you? Depends on the piece. Like uh, shorter pieces I can kind of churn out. It, it's a, yeah. I've sat down for like four or five hours and done quite a bit of work. Yeah. And then other times, like when I was in my master's, I would work every night. I took this, Danny Elfman, the famous film composer, yeah. goes, I can't sit down and just write a lot of the time. He was like, I would write like four, five, six measures a night. Uh-huh. And I go, well, shoot. I write five measures a night. That's seven days. That's 35 measures. You know, that idea. Yeah. And most of my stuff I work off. I'll sit down for 30 minutes unless all of a sudden I go on a tangent and can do stuff. Right. Now for percussion, like I can sit the marimba and like um, if I wanted to do like some short etudes, like you usually can write an etude in 30 minutes.
0: Huh.
1: And notate it. Like I wrote those three grooves. Yeah. uh, Which are published by C. Allen now. I sat there and just started jamming on this stuff and i wrote it down so the three grooves probably took four hours to write and then voila but then some other things like a band piece takes much longer
0: i i i'm i'm very impressed and then i um but part of me thinks why why shouldn't it be that easy (laughs) but i'm very impressed and we i we told some colleagues last night that you had written it last week and they were all surprised also so that seems like a very fast rate of creation
1: but again with me i think it's like it's different on the piece like you know i was sitting in the bunk over there you know you know laying in bed and i'm thinking about these rhythms i can do and i can stack these rhythms i can have this cross rhythm the claves are pitched so you can hear the pitch go tick 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 throughout this four four pattern right. and this going back and forth and that's why i wanted you and tom on separate sides because you were going tick tick tuck, tuck, tick 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 so yep. it was also visual
0: so you were actually thinking about it for a long time
1: yeah just kind of sitting around you know yeah. thinking of the colors and all that
0: I think this is another part of creation that a lot of people are talking about more now about with writing movies or scripts or music or poems it, the the germination is longer mm-hmm and you intake a lot of music,
1: boy, and when I was younger, you could see that in it, yeah. and that's a teaching style too, like you're supposed to emulate your favorite composer, okay, so like my early pieces, you could tell who I'd been listening to. Wow. I don't think I ever took anything for verbatim from somebody, oh, right. but you could tell like, like when we listened to Philip Glass, <laughs> you know, and they were like, write something minimalistic in 20th century theory. It, you know, by default, if you write something, it's going to sound kind of like him, yep. you know, in, in a certain medium. It just has to because the way he created things. Or or this composer, yeah. and you kind. Of, if you think about it, a lot of composers. That's how they start. Sure. They're mimicking a, their teacher.
0: Yeah.
1: Or not like my favorite teacher. He taught me about harmony. He was like, I got a brass quintet. That's five instruments. You know what that can make is a ninth chord, sir. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. You
1: know, I was like, "Oh, you know, I never thought of it like that." Sure, sure. He's using these thick harmonies like that. So when I write seventh and ninth chords, especially in the choral music, I think of him. It kind of comes back. Sure. Because it's like I'm sometimes emulating or using what we learned in lessons, and that's how people grow. You know, all the greats come from somebody.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Nicholas Myers, Doctor. Nicholas
1: Myers. No, thank you.
0: You have been listening to the Art Lives Podcast. Huge thanks to Nick for talking with me. I have posted information and links for Nick and his university on the Art Lives page of my website, elizabeththelamater.com. Special thanks to Bill Salek, artist Eduardo Moreno, and to composer Nicholas Myers, and as always, thank you so much for listening to The Art Lives podcast. We're going to end this episode with all 3 minutes of Nick Myers' piece Slightly Funky, as recorded by Nick himself and trumpeter Ken Jimenez.